Our scripture reading today comes from uh, the book of Matthew. We're going to be in the 20th chapter of Matthew, verses 20 through 28. So if you want to reach into your pew, you can grab a Bible there, or it'll be on the screen. You can follow along up here. So uh, we'll, we'll start in Matthew 20 with verse 20. Then the mother of Zebedee's sons came to Jesus with her sons, and kneeling down, asked a favor of him. What is it you want? He asked. She said, grant that one of these two sons of mine might sit at your right and that the other at your left in your kingdom. You do not know what you're asking, Jesus said to them. Can you drink the cup that I'm going to drink? We can, they answered. Jesus said to them, you will indeed drink from my cup, but to sit at my right or my left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom the Father has prepared. When the ten heard about this, they were indignant with the two brothers. Jesus called them together and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be a servant, and whoever wants to be first must be your slave, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. The word of our Lord. If you'll pray with me. Heavenly Father, God, I just pray that as we jump into your word, we, we seek to understand your call to serve, Lord. I pray that you would open the scriptures to our hearts, to our minds, and that you would just speak clearly to each of us. In your name I pray. Amen. If you haven't had a chance to meet me yet, uh, my name's Kevin Reese, and I'm the executive minister here. I've met a lot of you, but not everyone. And so I uh, just wanted to make sure you knew who the bald guy was in the pulpit today. But uh, there's not many bald guys that come up here, so everybody else has hair. Uh, ten, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. For now. Ten years ago, <laughs> ten years ago this summer, my family and I uh, were transferred to Midland, Texas for my wife's job. You may not know this, but Midland, Texas is not considered an exciting destination. In fact, the only reason that Midland exists is because of the oil and gas industry down there. And I had just graduated from college with a degree in math, and I didn't quite know yet what God had in store for me to do. As we settled into our new home, we began the search for a church home. I should mention at this point that this wasn't my first time to live in Midland. In fact, I was born in Midland, and there was a church there that I had been born into and attended with my family growing up. And that was good, but I wanted to find my own church. I didn't really want to go to my parents' church. I wanted to find the young church, the hip church, the place where everybody was going that was up and coming. So we set out to find the church, and we did. We went, and uh, it was exciting. Uh, everybody there, uh, every, everything was new. Everyone was full of energy. And there were so many people that it just felt awesome. The sermon really connected, the, serve, the worship service was, was exactly the style that I preferred, and it was just a place that we felt comfortable. After visiting the church, we planned to join, but we thought we at least owed it to the old church to give them a try, or I, should I say my parents thought that we should give the other church a try. So we went. I went during the week um, to go check them out, and I walked in the doors, and it was exactly the way I'd left it 20 years before. Nothing had changed. Um, looked the same, felt the same, smelled the same. And uh, 
it wasn't a place that felt comfortable. I wasn't excited to be there. I was on my way out the door, and I bumped into the worship minister. And it was the same worship minister that had been there since before I was born. Yeah. <laughs> Lifetime friend of the family. Um, and we talked a little bit. And I you know, told him we were back in town, but trying to find a church. And this just probably wasn't going to be a good fit for us. And he said, well, we actually have a new service we've started recently. And the goal of that service is to reach out to a new generation. We're trying to, to grow the church and move, move ahead to the future. And so... He said, why don't you come on Sunday and give it a try? I agreed and decided to come. And so my wife and I went that day and, and uh, checked it out, and it was a mess. Uh, the music was rough. The room was awkward. The service flow was disjointed. And it just wasn't a place that made me feel comfortable. As we were working our way out the door, uh, the, the worship pastor stopped me, and, and he said, you know, we could really use you here to help this you know, you're exactly the demographic of what we're trying to reach. You, you, you're what we're trying to do here. We just need some help. So it was a vision there of what could happen. My wife and I went home, and as Jennifer and I started to pray about it, we realized we had two options. We could go to the church that had it all together. We could blend in, and we could enjoy what they had to offer us. Or we could commit to the vision of the new service at the old church we could jump in, we could be a part of making it happen, be a part of the mission. To serve or to be served? You see, that was the question for us. What would you do? Many times we're so focused on our own needs to grow and our preferred styles that we miss the opportunity to be a part of the mission. During this series, we've been talking about the values that have been created for South Suburban. Daryl shared them all with you a few weeks ago, and we talked about one or two each week. And this story that we just read about James and John is a story of Jesus teaching his disciples about his values. And so I want us to read back through that and kind of see how it unfolds. So looking back in Matthew 20, starting with verse 20, it says, then the mother of Zebedee's sons came to Jesus with her sons and kneeling down asked a favor of him. You see, they came in private to talk to Jesus because they knew that if the others heard what they were going to ask, the others wouldn't be too happy about what they were going to say. What is it you want? Jesus asked. And Jesus didn't need to know what they wanted. He already knew what they wanted. He was just kind of hoping maybe they wouldn't have the nerve to ask him what they were about to say. But she continued... Grant that one of these two sons of mine might sit at your right and the other at your left in your kingdom. This request exposes just how little they understood of the kingdom that Jesus had come to create here on earth. You see, they were thinking of earthly kingdoms. They were looking for positions of power and authority that they could have. You don't know what you're asking, Jesus said to them. Can you drink the cup that I'm going to drink? See, Jesus points out that if they want to sit in the seats of power and authority, they're also going to have to be responsible to share in the suffering of the mission. We can, they answered. And Jesus said to them, you will indeed drink from my cup, but to sit at my right or my left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom the Father has, has been prepared by the Father. When the ten heard this, they were indignant with the two brothers. See, now... The rest have heard about what's going on, and now there's disunity because a few have seeked their own selfish interests, and they've broken the unity of the group. 
And Jesus, sensing the tension and the need for healing, he goes on. Jesus calls them together and says, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Now, when Jesus says, not so with you, he's not saying, not so with you. You get it. This isn't you. you." He's saying, this is not how it's supposed to be with you. This isn't the way that I've designed it to be. You see, your values need to be different than their values. We have to be different. So let's listen to Jesus as he explains the value to his disciples. He says, instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Jesus turns the values upside down here. He calls them to something different than the culture that they live in. He calls them to become a servant. That's not the kingdom that James and John were asking about a few minutes ago. They, They were thinking much bigger and grander. They weren't talking about being a servant. But Jesus goes on and says, Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Not only does Jesus cast a a vision and a value here, he also sets an example. You see, Jesus is gonna serve at a level higher than most of us will ever be called because he's gonna give his own life for the mission. If Jesus is willing to give his life as a sacrifice for the mission, then we have no excuse not to serve the mission, not to be a part of it, not to sacrifice for it. So how do we express this value of service here at South Suburban? We call it action. We call it action, and here's what we say. We say, empowered by the Holy Spirit, we will actively serve, care, and give to advance the mission of God. We will, empowered by the Holy Spirit, we will actively serve, care, and give to advance the mission of God. See, we're called to be a part of the mission, to be an active part of the mission, how do we do that? How do we serve? We've been, we've been talking about this book from Rainer, from Tom Rainer, I Am a Church Member. We've been studying it in our small groups and talking about it in here on Sundays. And there's a quote in here where Tom talks about this idea of country club membership. He says, congregations across America are weak because many of us church members have lost the biblical understanding of what it means to be a part of the body of Christ. We join our church expecting others to feed us, to, to serve us, to care for us. We don't like hypocrites in the church, but we fail to see our own hypocrisies. God did not give us local churches to become country clubs where where membership means we have privileges and perks. He places us in churches to serve, to care for others, to pray for leaders, to learn, to teach, to give, and in some cases, to die for the sake of the gospel. Many churches are weak because we have members who have turned the meaning of membership upside down. Well, it's time to get it right It's time to become a church member as God intended. It's time to give instead of being entitled. I don't know about you, but when I read through that, it kind of steps on my toes a little bit because I think for most of us, at times, we have a tendency to try and want to make the church more about what we want and what we need instead of focusing on serving and on giving to advance the gospel. If we all took that little passage to heart and we truly started to make the church about others, There'd be no stopping what God could do when we got our own interests out of the way of his mission. Well, I really like Rainer's analogy of country club membership. I want to give you a little bit different picture this morning. A few years ago, my family and I took a Disney cruise. 
And if you've ever had any, any interaction with Disney, you know that they take care of all the details. We walked in, and the, the ship was immaculate. The food was delicious. Our cabin was well-appointed, and we had an attendant to take care of any of our needs there. Uh, they had all sorts of programs and activities that met the interests that we had, and the shows were designed to keep us entertained, and they were offered at times that were convenient for us. They took care of my kids. They pampered us in the spa. And if I had a problem with something, I just talked to one of the, the crew members, and they did whatever they could to make sure it was addressed. And come on, if you know anything else about Disney, they better do that because they cost a lot of money to ride on that little boat. Sometimes we look at the church the same way that we do this cruise ship. The building had better be immaculate. The rooms need to be set the way that I want, and the chairs had better be comfortable. The services should match my style and be available at a time that's convenient for me. Programs and ministries should keep me entertained and meet my interests. And my kids, well, you better keep them entertained too and teach them the things that I'm not. When I have a problem, someone should run to hear my concerns and stop everything to address them. And come on, the church better do those things because I give a lot of money. Is that really the picture of what you want your church membership to be about? Is that the picture of the church that you want to be a part of? You see, I think there's a better description of a healthy church and what we want this church to be, and I think that description is that of a battleship. On a battleship, the facilities serve a purpose, and they don't yield to the comfort of the crew. There's a noble mission to save people. Members of the crew sacrificially serve others in order to advance the mission. They're even willing to die under the direction of the captain. The officers are respected, and the only thing that matters to them is completing the mission. When you sign on to be a part of the church, to be a member, are you expecting to be served by that church? Or are you committing to be a soldier in the mission? Are you looking to gain a voice for your preferences? Or are you expecting marching orders so that you can help advance the mission? Are you hoping to find a safe, comfortable place? Or are you willing to sacrifice in order to save lives? You see, on a battleship, there's one overarching mission, to protect and to save lives. There's one commander-in-chief that declares the mission, and the captain of the ship has been appointed to do whatever he can to fulfill it. The soldiers don't argue with the captain. They don't petition for their preferences. They have a deep respect for the captain because they know that he was selected by the commander-in-chief to lead them in their noble mission. So how do we make this church a battleship instead of a cruise ship? I think it comes back to the idea of service. So there's a couple of things I want to talk about here. The first thing that we need to do to make this church a battleship and treat it that way is we need to put our training to action. We need to put our training to action. You see, sometimes in a church we get, we get so caught up in meeting our needs and being grown and, and people teaching us and speaking into us. We come to services and classes week after week after month after year and we just keep waiting for those words to take on a meaning so that we can go out and do something with them. The words take on a meaning when you put them into action. You can't just keep hearing them and waiting for them to take on a meaning. 
When you put your faith in action, you grow when your training becomes real. See, on a battleship, the crew is always training. The training is always there to keep their abilities growing. But at the same time, the mission doesn't wait for them to be ready. They have to continue to grow as they participate in the mission because the mission doesn't wait. James 1, through 24 says it like this. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word and does not do it, do what it says, is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. You See, the idea here, if we keep reading the scripture, reading the scripture, and hearing the scripture, and hearing the sermons and hearing the lessons, and we don't do anything with them, they don't take up meaning for us. We go back to our lives, and it's just what we read. It's just what we heard. They don't change who we are. But if we put them into action, we don't forget what we saw. We don't forget what we heard. You never need to stop growing in your faith. But you can't wait to be ready to serve. You have to start serving so that you can grow stronger in your faith. So we're going to put our training to action. We're going to do that by serving in the church. We're going to serve in the church. There's a lot of ways that you can serve in the church here to be a part of what we're doing. You can be a greeter on Sunday morning. You can come in. You can, you can be at the door smiling and shaking people's hands. You can be in the lobby. You can help people find their way around, help the, the parents with children find where to check their kids in, find the restrooms, find a seat. You can, you can be a part of the children's ministry. You can go downstairs and you can hold and rock little babies if that's what you like or you can be with the older kids and care for them and help them get from place to place and love on them and teach them, as, as Debbie likes to say, teach them that Jesus wants to be their best friend. You can be a small group leader or Sunday school leader. Maybe you've been sitting in a class for years and years and years and people have been pouring into you and it's time for you to start using that to pour back into somebody else and to teach somebody else. Our church equips and empowers our leaders with resources and materials to lead those discussions. You don't have to have all the answers. It's about facilitating the discussions and taking information and learning and growing as you serve. You could be a part of our student ministry. Our student ministry reaches out to, to middle school and high school kids every week, and it's a critical time in these kids' lives. They're trying to understand if the God that they heard about as a child is real and is this something they're really supposed to do something with in their lives. And they're looking for examples of people putting their faith in action to show them what it means. Some of them need a male or a female role model to come into their lives because they're missing that at home. And they need you to come in there and love on them and care for them and show them that healthy model. You can help with things like administrative help. Maybe, maybe you just want to come in and help with stuffing the bulletin for Sunday mornings or, or getting the envelopes in the backs of the chairs or helping with mailers as we do them. You could commit to being in prayer. You can take that prayer list every week. You can pray for the people on there. You can pray for the leaders of our church. You can pray for those that we're trying to save. Sometimes there's seasonal things that you can help with. And there's a big one coming up and I really want to challenge you to think about how you can be a part this year of Vacation Bible School. Vacation Bible School is the biggest thing that we do in this church every year to reach young children. 
We will have over 100 kids in this place. They'll be all over the building that week. And most of them don't go to this church. And most of them don't go to any church. And they're here. And we have the opportunity to tell them that Jesus loves them and that he came to die for them. We have an opportunity to save lives that week. But we have to have people here to serve. So what can you do? You can come and you can help clean up. You can help set up. You can help with snacks. You can help with, with games. But the biggest thing we need right now, the biggest thing we need right now are crew leaders. Crew leaders are like shepherds. They don't have to teach. They just have to move the herds from place to place. Okay? You know, kids need a little help getting from place to place. But when there's that one person that every day they come in and it's the same smiling face that they see that helps take them from place to place, they know that somebody is there that cares for them and loves them. And you can be that source of stability for them that week. We need over 30 of those crew leaders. And there's a table back in the lobby today. And as you leave, I challenge you to go out and sign up for those slots. There's no reason that we should get out of today with any spots available if we truly believe that we are called to save lives. See, all of these jobs, no matter how small and insignificant, they're all part of the mission. You might think it's not a big deal to come in and stuff bulletins or put things in the back of the chairs or to rock a baby or to greet people in the hall, but the truth is every single one of those things helps us achieve our mission. And so every single one of those things is part of whenever we save, whenever God saves a life through what we've done. So we're going to put our training to action we're going to serve in the church, but we also have to remember to care for those outside of the church. We have to care for those outside of the church. Sometimes a church gets too tied up on what's happening inside, and we're all about what's happening here on Sunday morning and taking care of our needs and, and everything that, that we need for Sunday mornings, and we forget that God called us to serve those around us, to care for those around us, to be his hands and feet. See, if we don't go out there and care for them, they aren't going to see the love of Christ and want to come in here and hear about him. We've got to go be an example to them so that they'll want to come hear about him. So you can care for those outside of the church in a lot of ways. One way we just talked about, North Littleton Promise is a, is a ministry that we participate in a lot here at this church. You can sign up to go down and serve snacks. You can go down and, and help uh, uh, tutor these kids, hang out with them. You can be involved in Metro Caring. Metro Caring is a ministry where we go and we serve Meals to people. Uh, we help, help serve meals to people that don't have food. Maybe you need to look around your neighborhood and find people who physically are unable to take care of things. And maybe they need a little help with their house. Maybe they need their lawn mowed this summer or they need a little painting done or something's broken and they need fixed. And you need to go in and you need to care for them and show them that somebody cares. Somebody is here for them. You can deliver uh, care bags to the homeless downtown or around town. You can make your own care bags and deliver those. You could sponsor a compassion child. That's an easy way to sit in your home and write letters to a kid thousands of miles away that you'll probably never meet and teach him or her that God loves them and make sure that they're taken care of and that somebody is concerned about them. You could find a single parent you can love on that single parent. You can encourage them. You could offer to keep their children so that they could go out and enjoy an evening to just relax and, and calm down and not have to deal with, with the craziness. Whatever it is, you've got to come up with your way that you're going to care for people outside of this church. So we're going to put our training to action. We're going to serve in the church. We're going to care for those outside of the church. 
But we also have to give to the mission. We have to give to the mission. Why? Why do we have to give to the mission? I mean, here in a minute, we're going we're gonna to have communion and a time of offering. Why do we have to give to the mission? I don't understand. Well, there's, a, there's several reasons we give to the mission, but the reason that I want to talk about today, Jesus in Matthew 6, 21, this is what he says. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. See, if you take that hard-earned treasure that you worked for and you invest it into the mission of saving lives, since your treasure is connected to the mission, your heart is connected to the mission. And it's not just something that you hear about and see. You're not just watching from the sidelines what's going on. You're a part of it. You're, you're a part of the mission. And you get to celebrate all the successes as part of the team. Not just cheer from the sidelines and say we did good. You know that you were a part of making it happen. God invites you to be a part of the mission. So how do we give? I think the battleship teaches us a couple of ways we can give. First, we can give freely. Uh, we give freely. Members of the battleship crew give themselves for the purpose of advancing the mission of saving lives, not to advance their own interests. You see, on a battleship, the crew has to trust the captain and his officers to use the service that they've given them in the best way possible to achieve the mission. They don't try to, to get their own way with, with, what they, with, they, with their service and with their gifts. See, in a church, we can't try and steer what we give. We want to give it and trust that the captain is trying to fulfill the mission of saving lives. So we can give freely. The other thing we can do is we can give consistently. Members of a battleship crew do not get the option of cutting back their support because they don't like a decision the captain made. They just don't. They have to stay 100% committed because they only care about saving and protecting lives. And they know that, that the captain's trying and the captain's doing its best and they're going to make mistakes at times, but the captain is trying to fulfill the mission so they don't cut back their support. In fact, on a battleship, they either stay committed to the mission or they ask to be relieved of their duties because they don't want to stand in the way because they believe in the mission so much. They do not want to be a hindrance to completing it. So we're going to put our, faith, we're going to put our training to action. We're going to serve in the church. We're going to care outside of the church. We're going to give freely. So there I was. There we were 10 years ago trying to decide on which church to attend. We could attend the young church, the, the cruise ship, or we could serve at the older church, the battleship. Because we chose to serve at the battleship is the reason that I'm here today. Because as I put my training into action, God grew me to be ready to serve in other ways, in bigger ways. You see, at that church is where God called me to step into full-time ministry. And it's only because I was willing to start serving and growing and putting my training to action. Are you looking for this church here to be a cruise ship or a battleship? You can sail on a cruise ship or you can serve on a battleship. But if you claim to be a follower of Christ, then remember what your, what your commander said. 
Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. He calls us to serve others and to give sacrificially to the mission. If he is your commander, you weren't called to sail the seas of comfort. You were called to serve and to save lives. Membership is our commitment to stop sailing and start serving. Are you ready? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I just uh, thank you that you don't need our help, but you allow us to be a part of your mission of saving lives. We pray that we would not take that opportunity lightly, but that we would step into that service boldly. And we know that as we do, we're going to grow closer and closer to you. Pray that you would go with us now and that you would keep that spirit of service ever on our mind, that we would not stop from advancing your mission of proclaiming your gospel. In your name we pray.